Thank you. You may be seated. Good morning. Hope everybody's doing all right. I think I want this on this side. I don't want this on this side. All right, great. So, Hebrews is a commentary on Leviticus. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Mystery person in the hallway. <laughs> yeah, already did a good job. Hadn't even did the message yet. Great. <clears throat> and in Hebrews, Jesus is better than anything. He's better than Moses, better than the Old Testament, better than the law, better than Aaron, better than everything. He's better. And that song should be something that should be our focus, really. Jesus is better than anything we can pursue in this life. I think we pursue a lot of stuff that just isn't as good as Jesus. And we put our faith and our hope in this and our faith and our hope in that. And we think this is going to be better, a better house, a better, a better car, a better you know, way to live, a better society, a better government, a better this, a better that and the other. And to be honest with you, none of it's going to be better than Jesus. So our focus should be Jesus is the best thing that you can have, right? It's the best thing you can have. So that said, Leviticus, Leviticus, woo! Uh, here we go. So turn your vows to Leviticus. I'm going to start Leviticus chapter 1 because that's a very good place to start. Doe a deer, a female deer. Y'all don't know that song. Okay, great. Leviticus chapter 1. And um, I want you to know, first of all, that there are five offerings that are talked about in chapters 1 through 7. Five different styles, five different types of offerings. Okay? And... Um, we need to remember that God set all of this up because he wants us to meet with him. So he wants to meet with us to meet with him at a certain spot. And he said, if you can't find me out there, you can find me here. And when you approach me, I want to tell you how you're supposed to approach me. So that's how Leviticus opens. And so there's, there's these offerings that are offered <clears throat> And I want you to look at, first of all, Leviticus chapter 1, verse 9. It says this, But its entrails and its legs shall be washed with water. The priest shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord, a food offering. Look at verse 13. It says, But the entrails, because we're all concerned about the guts, Right, the entrails, the legs shall be washed with water. The priest shall offer all of it and burn it on the altar. It is a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Uh, verse 17 says this, he shall tear it open by its wings. It's talking about a bird. But it shall not, it shall not sever it completely and the priest shall burn it on the altar on the wood that is fire. It is a burnt offering, 
a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. We get to chapter two, verse three. It says, um, I gotta find it because my eyes are weird. Um, Let's see, two, three. Anyway, I'm, I'm sorry, two. Yes, verse two, actually. It says, and bring to Aaron's sons and the priest, and he shall take from it a handful of fine flour and oil, and with all its frankincense, and the priest shall burn this as a memorial portion on the altar. It is a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. This means, ladies and gentlemen, that God is Baptist. (laughs) He's about the food. Let's eat some food. Let's get these people together. Let's eat. Let's, let's get together and eat. So he's food-oriented, right? So verse 11, you, you go here. No grain offering that being made to the Lord. This is actually the grain offering. I forgot to say that. With leaven, for you shall burn no leaven or any honey as a food offering to the Lord. As a food offering to the Lord. A food offering. So we get to chapter 3. If you notice chapter three, verse five, it says this, then Aaron's son shall burn it on the altar, the top of the burnt offering, which is on the wood on the fire. It is a what? A food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. This food offering thing is also in verse 14. It says food offering as a food offering to the Lord. And in verse um, 16 of chapter three, as a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord, it's a food offering. So the first three of these offerings are food offerings. And then we get to chapter four, verse three. And it says this, if it is an anointed priest who sins, oh my goodness, that's a downer, right? We just had these food offerings. It was pleasing to the Lord and all of a sudden, oh. And he continues to take us down this path and he says, thus bringing, a, thus bringing guilt on the people, then he shall offer for the sin that he has committed a bull from the herd without blemish to the Lord for a sin offering, a sin offering. So the moment that you get there, you start to, you start, well, me. The moment I got there, I was like, okay, sin offering is in chapter four, but there's no sin in chapters one, two, or three. So what in the world is going on here? There's also food offerings, which I'm very intrigued with, this, this food offering, and these, this scent that God gets that's very pleasing to him. So what in the world is going on here? You see, if you read uh, chapters four through five, or actually through seven, you will find sin everywhere. So you have this food offering going on and you have sin. So food and sin offerings. What is the difference between a food offering and a sin offering? Because they're different. They have to be different. What is the difference? Well, first of all, This one is pleasing to the Lord. There's only one place in chapters four through seven where it says that an offering is pleasing to the Lord and it's attached to a peace offering, which is the third chapter three of the food offering. So that is attached to here. But the sin offering is never said to please the Lord. The food offering is what pleases the Lord. So that's a major difference. Sin offerings say that you will be forgiven of your trespasses. You will be atoned for. Food offerings are something different. 
Uh, sin offerings have guilt involved. Food offerings have food involved. Food, like eating the food. Now, the first offering in chapter one, you don't eat that. That's burned all the way up. It's, it's gone. The smoke goes up to the Lord, right? It's a food offering to him. The second one, uh, the priests eat the food, a grain offering. So they're eating the food and part of it is burned up to the Lord. And then the third offering, um, God gets the smoke, the priest gets to eat, and then the people that brought it get to eat. And it's pleasing to the Lord. The food offering is you are bringing something to God and you're not getting anything in return. The sin offering is you are bringing something to God and you're getting something in return, and that is forgiveness. It's atonement. But this offering right here, you're not getting anything in return. The food offerings, if you look into it, you'll find out that these are voluntary. You, you don't have to do these. Like it, it, There's no requirement for you to do these. When you get to the sin offering, these are required. So, Voluntary, required. Food, no, we're not going to eat here. We're just going to get something, which is forgiveness of sin. We're not going to get anything here. So they're voluntary offerings. So what in the world is going on here? Food, sin. This is a commentary. I don't know where I wrote this down from, to be honest with you, because I've read a lot over the past years with Leviticus. So let's just say that these are not my words. And once I read them to you, you'll realize it is not even in my vernacular, okay? Which is a $100 word. It's what it says. They did not affect the first food offerings, did not affect atonement or provide ritual cleansing for worshipers or for the holy sanctum. By comparison, the last two in the list, sin offering and guilt offering, were required to make restitution for various sins against either God or your fellow man or both. So these have nothing to do with this. This is something different. What in the world is going on? And I'm going to tell you what's going on. These are about celebration. And these are about getting forgiveness for your sins. So Leviticus opens with a statement that says, God wants to celebrate with you when you have something to celebrate. What? Yeah. You mean God, God just isn't up in heaven with a whip and he's saying, hey, you need to ask forgiveness of your sins. You need to kill that, that lamb so that your sins are atoned for. No, this is part of it. But God wants you to celebrate with him. He wants you to bring a food offering. He wants you to come in and say, hey, this has happened for me. I'm gonna bring this in. And oh my goodness, we are going to celebrate with God. And God wants to celebrate with you. He wants to hear your worship. He wants to be a part of your amazing moment. He wants you to celebrate that moment with him. It's a food offering, and that is pleasing to the Lord. It is pleasing to the Lord. God wants to enjoy life with you. So how do you approach me? Meet me here at the tabernacle. And when you do, let me tell you three ways that if you want to celebrate with me, how you can do it, and then we'll get to the sin thing later. 
You see, God is a person. I know you know that. But God wants you to come to him with something positive. Do you have those friends? Those friends? That when they walk into the room, you're like, man, do I really, I'm supposed to love people, but do I really have to talk to them today? Because when they come into the room, there's like a dark cloud that comes in and everything is always bad. You're, you're talking to them and it's just constantly, constantly, well, you don't know what happened to me this week. And, and you know, they changed this on me at school and, and they changed this on me at work and my, my, my spouse did this. And, and, you know, it's just on and on and on and it's just constantly negative. And when they enter the room, you're like, oh my goodness, I, I love them, but man, I just can't do this today. Do you ever have a moment where you just can't do it? And you're like, I just can't do this today. And, I, and you try to separate yourself from him. How many times do we just go to God when we sin more than when we're excited about something? How many times do we just go to God when something happens bad in our life and we're really pouring our, out our heart to him, which by the way, he wants to hear you. He wants to hear those prayers. But how many times do we approach God with the negative stuff that we want his help with in comparison to celebration? Can you think back to this week when you prayed where you actually all you did was celebrate God in that prayer? Where all you did was say, hey, Lord, thank you for that. I'm really, I'm really excited about that. Let's, let's just, let me praise you for that this moment. And let's, let's just have this celebration together. How many times have you approached God's throne in celebration in comparison to how many times you've approached God's throne just because you need something or you want something or, you, or you, something's bad in your life? God is a person. God wants to share joy with you. He wants to cel celebrate stuff with you. Well, what in the world would God want to celebrate with me? Well, um, if I think through this week of our church, um, I think we could all celebrate the birth of Noah. Noah Potts, eight pounds, big boy coming into the world, right? We can celebrate a new life, a new baby, someone that we could actually, hold, I'll get to hold him this week. Somebody you actually get to hold and we can celebrate that new life, right? What else could we celebrate? We're here this morning. We're here this morning. It looks like y'all are feeling okay, right? We're, we're just saying, we're feeling it. We, we woke up this morning. We breathed this morning. There is a lot to celebrate. There's a lot to think, oh my goodness, God is awesome. And so God is saying, hey, when you are celebrating and you want to come to my house and celebrate with me, this is how you do it. You do it through these food offerings. And when you celebrate with me, when you worship my name, I really like it and I'm pleased with it. And he would rather you come to worship than he would for you to come to get atonement for sin. Now, does he want you to get atonement for sin? Absolutely. But guess what I'm not going to be doing in heaven? I'll be doing food. <laughs> food. Celebration. Because the end goal of our sins being forgiven is celebration with God. Woo! 
Come on. It's celebration. Bring out the food. In fact, there's some food I'm looking forward to. It's the marriage supper of the lamb. And he has invited me to come and I've accepted the invitation and I don't know where I'm going to be seated at the table, but I know that the food is going to be good. It's going to be good. Food and celebration, he would rather do this. This is an end to this. This gets you here. And he starts Leviticus with celebration because the one thing on his mind is celebration. So Philip, where are you get, where, do you have a biblical example of this to kind of show us that this is true? Because I've never really heard that an offering was a celebration thing. I've always heard that it was sinful, you know, and you're bringing your sin and you're trying to get atonement. And I've always, is there any place in the Bible that would show this? Yes, I'm glad you asked. 2 Samuel chapter 6, David is bringing the ark back into Jerusalem. And every six steps, one, two, three, four, five, six, he sets up an offer for a burnt offering. That is offering number one in Leviticus. For the longest time, I was like, why? Is it like he sins in six steps? I mean, I don't think I sin in six steps, but maybe I do. And you know that, that guilt that you get you know, from that, but upon thinking about it and thinking about Leviticus, oh my goodness, no, he is celebrating the fact that the presence of God is being moved back into Jerusalem. So every six steps, I am happy you're coming back to Jerusalem. We're doing a burnt offering because I know that you like this gift and it burns up and it smells good, right? I don't know if you know about this, this or not, but humans stink at times. Right? Do you know this? Maybe you're sitting beside them. Maybe at night you're living with them. I don't know. But sometimes people stink at night. It's not a pleasing smell in the room at times, right? Especially after Mexican. And I'm not the one that eats it. So one, two, three, four, five, six, it burns and it goes up in his nostrils. And he said, oh my goodness, this, is, this smells so good. This is God talking. And he does it every six steps. And they're bringing this ark into Jerusalem. And at the end of that passage of scripture, it says, after all the burnt offerings, the grain offerings, and the peace offerings were delivered, David went home. Because bringing God back into the temple back into the tabernacle rather, back into the city, was a moment of celebration. God wants to celebrate with you. He wants to celebrate with you. Check out these verses. This is from Nehemiah chapter eight, verse 10. Now, these people had just heard the law of the Lord and, and they were crying because of their sin. So Nehemiah quieted them down and he said this, go your way. Eat the fat and drink the sweet wine and send portions to everyone who has nothing. For this day is holy to the Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's a time to do the sin offerings, but there's also a time and a place to celebrate the goodness of God. And this is the moment that we are holy and we celebrate the goodness of God. Now, you're not gonna find this in a translation because I translated it. 
This is called the PBPV, the Philip Brand paraphrase version. It's not really a paraphrase, but it's sort of paraphrased because I did it. <clears throat> In Psalm chapter 22, verse 3, says this, but you are holy, all you who dwell in the holy place where the praises of Israel are offered. The praises of Israel are offered. You mean not just, I'm sorry for my sins? Right. The praises of Israel in the temple, and this is how you do it. Celebrate with me. Psalm 100 verse four says this, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. He wants you to be excited to come and see him. Isn't that great? He wants you to be excited. You see, joy makes you come to God because you want to. Sin makes you come to God because you have to. Mm. We need to come to God because we want to. And then when we have to, we have to. But we need to want to come to God and celebrate with him. This is how you approach God. This is how you do it. So let's go to the words. Here's some words because I need to unpack these a little bit. Okay, first, Corbin. Corbin is the first word that you see in Leviticus. It means offering. An offering in a broad sense means gift. You're offering something of yours to God. And in fact, in any of the offerings, when you offer this, when you bring whatever it is to the Lord, you lay it down and it's no longer yours. It becomes God's. Okay, so you're bringing a gift to him. You're bringing a gift. Hola, because on the southern border of Israel, there was this place called Mexico that didn't have a wall. Oh, come on, that, that, was, that was good. Now I say that because hola sounds a lot like hola, Mexican, right? That says, hello. Because that's what it means, right? And ola, which is burnt offering, is actually a word that not only means burnt offering, but in a broader sense, as you, as you look into it, means, hello, I'm here. I want to meet with you. You're trying to get God's attention. And you're doing it with a burnt offering that he likes in a sweet-smelling smelling, uh, savor, save a sweet smell. He loves the smell, a sweet-smelling smell that he likes to smell. And so you're inviting him to come. These Ola offerings, I hate that savior, saver, savior, savor, smell. That Ola there, right, is, is the morning and evening offerings in the temple. They started the day with this saying, hey, we're here. We want your attention. They ended the day with this saying, hey, we want your attention. And so it's a hello, hello, God, we need you here. We want to celebrate your presence. We want you to be with us. So hola really means hello. It's a greeting sort of deal. Mena is the grain offering, right? And in a broader sense, a grain offering is really um, a gift. 
It means gift. For instance, when this offering came in in chapter 2, the people would actually bring food and the priests would eat the food. It was actually a gift to the priest so that they would have food to eat. Were you giving it to God? Yes, but you were giving it to the priests as well. There was part of it that burned up to God and it was sweet smelling to him. And then it was a gift to the priests because they needed to eat. And there were specific instructions on how to cook it because some people can't cook. So they need these instructions, right? And so they did these instructions, they gave it to them. So it was a gift of food to these people. So mena in a broad term means gift. Zavena shalim, which is shalim is a form of shalom, which is peace, right? Is, is also has this gift idea behind it. The, the uh, zavah shalim means that you, when they did this, you brought in food and you gave a portion to God, which was burnt up, and then uh, the priest ate it, and then you were able to eat part of this meal. In other words, you, the priest, and God sat down at a meal and celebrated whatever it is you were going to celebrate. And God was there. We do the same thing, not because we're Baptists, but because we do the same thing. My son turned 18. He had two dinners because that's what you have to do now. You know, you have to have several dinners from time to time to get all the people and stay separated and not above 10. You know, you have to do all that, right? Yeah. So we had two dinners. We had two dinners, one with this group of people and one with this group of people, and he got gifts at both, and he was very excited, and we celebrated that. Um, we went to Firebirds for my daughter's 21st birthday, 21, 21. I said that in the first service. See, the 21 thing just blows me away. It just, it says she's 21, 21 years old. And we went to Firebirds and she, she ate and we celebrated and it was just a grand time, right? She, she had this great celebration. We celebrated. That's the same thing that's happening here. God it says, hey, if something great happens in your life, come to the temple. And if you want to celebrate with me, this is how you do it. You prepare this food and you sit down and you eat with me. Have you ever thought that you and I in this life can actually sit down and eat with God? This is why before you eat, you should be blessing your food that he's provided for you. And you invite him as an additional guest to that meal and you celebrate the fact that he has provided for you that food that's on the table. We live in America, and there are places in the world where they don't have food on their table. And we have an abundance of food. And it is more of a blessing than we give God credit for. So we say, thank you, Lord. We celebrate the fact that you have provided this for us, and you're the honored guest in this room. You know, if you did that, it would probably help your conversation at dinner time as well is probably what that would happen. So there's food and it's celebration instead of uh, forgiveness and we have these celebrations. So it's all about a gift. It's all about a gift. Um, have you ever got a gift that you didn't want? Yes. You've gotten a gift that you didn't want. When I was first married, um, I, 
Nicole had talked about a vacuum cleaner for a very long period of time. And um, I thought, oh, that would be a great Christmas gift. Listen, it made total sense. She was asking for it. She wanted a good one. We didn't have much money, so I thought I could put, you know, gift money toward it. And then, if you really think through this thing, um, girls, when they're little, from very young age, we give them a vacuum cleaner, and they play at home, you know, vacuuming. We give guys a lawnmower. So I figured if I gave her this vacuum cleaner, she'd be living the dream. <laughs> Come on, that's good. That's good. Hey, if she had given me a truck that transformed into a robot, I would have been, uh, been like, wow, that's really cool. Oh, no, it is not. Uh, so is the vacuum. Okay, so we're going to go on. So, so, so we have these gifts. Sometimes we've gotten gifts that we do not like. I want you to notice that this gift right here is a pleasing aroma And it's not, sorry, I lost my word. It's not heart-wrenching. See, God wants to celebrate, but it's heart-wrenching that you and I sin. But he doesn't want to feel bad all the time, right? He wants to celebrate with you. He paid a big price to celebrate with you. Big price to do it. Because this isn't the end. This is. So it's a celebration. It's a celebration. So gifts, gifts, gifts. A gift costs you something. It costs you something. For instance, in chapter one, you had to, you had to, you had to bring this bull in. You had to kill it. You had to wash it. You had to get it ready, right? It, it cost them something. It was something that they had. It cost them something. If you prepared the food beforehand, whoever was preparing that food, it cost them something. Whatever the, the grain was, the time it took to create the bread, like it cost them something to prepare that meal, right? You get into chapter three, it cost them something. It cost them time of preparation. There was a responsibility that they had to get ready in order to do this food offering. Gift cost you something. Tanya Cornett, I was, she called me and she had started reading through Leviticus as a result of last week's sermon, which I was excited about. But when she called me and said, I've been reading Leviticus, I expected her to say, it is just as boring as you said it was. I mean, I don't get it at all. That's what I was expecting her to say, but she didn't say that. She said, Philip, the preparation that time that it takes to kill that animal and wash it and get it ready for you to be able to go to church? I'm late already. (laughs) How in the world would I get to church? I could see her coming with her offering. Don't close the doors. Don't close the doors. You know, at the end, yeah. So there's a lot of preparation for that. I'm reading a book called Hide Your Goat. So it's a great little book. Um, And anyway, in that book, the author talks about a glass, and he talks about drinking from the glass. And he makes the glass not half empty or half full. He makes the glass responsibility. So there's some responsibilities and preparation that we have to have for life, right? And then you get to drink and delight in the drink that you've placed into the, gra- into the glass. See, many of us, <laughs> many of us want to go to a restaurant, right, and have the person come and fill up our glass. 
And then we delight in whatever they put into it. We delight over here, but we do no work, no preparation to get stuff into the glass. So, I've lost a lot of weight. Um, so, so the glass is here and, and the delight. A lot of Christians, all they're concerned about is the delight portion and not the responsibility. For instance, there are people, I've been at this a long time. There are people that come to church right? And, and they come in and they expect me to impress them. That's what they expect. They expect that I'm going to impress them somehow. And let me tell you something. If you're looking for me to impress you, your bar is way low because Jesus is better. So they come into church and they're expect, expecting me to impress them. They're expecting the worship team to impress them. They're expecting, uh, you know, the experience in the church to impress them. And they're looking to be impressed. They didn't prepare to come in, right? It, it, they, they came in just to delight. And in fact, what is in their glass is crap. If you walk into a place and you want people to impress you, that is called Pride. And when pride goes up before the Lord, it stinks. It is not a sweet smelling smell to Jesus. It stinks. So when people come in and they're like, hey, I just wasn't impressed. I didn't feel the spirit this morning. He didn't impress me too much. Oh my goodness, really? I'm glad I didn't impress you this morning. You were looking at the wrong place to be impressed. And if Jesus hadn't already impressed you, maybe you just need to go home and figure that out. Because he needs to impress you more than me. He needs to impress you more than the worship team. He needs to be the one where before you get here, you are so impressed and so thankful for what he has done for you this week that you filled your glass to the max and you get here and you're delighting in Jesus because of everything he's done for you this week. Come on. It is not me that causes you not to get in touch with God. It's your own heart. In your glass, there is preparation and work. It is work to stay focused on Jesus. It is work to stay focused on the holiness and goodness of God. It is work sometimes when things are going bad. It is work to see the good in what's happening and the strength that he's giving, giving you to get through something. It is work and you put all of that into the glass. He has sustained me, he has helped me. I have his mercy and grace and you come to church and you drink it with a group of people and you celebrate God. You celebrate him because he is who you're impressed with. Not a man or a woman, just Jesus. The food offerings, yeah, the priest ate them, but the food offerings was so that you could present something that was pleasing to God. To God, not to the priest, not to you, to God to God, preparation in the gift mattered. It's good stuff, isn't it? There are three food offerings. There are two sin offerings. 
God wants more celebration than he does sin offerings. Both are needed. Listen, I can take you through scripture and I don't have time to do this. I can take you through scripture and tell you that we don't do burnt offerings and I can tell you why. I can tell you why we don't do grain offerings. I can tell you why. I can tell you why we uh, do not do the third one. Um, the, the peace offerings, I could tell you why in the New Testament we don't do this. I, I could tell you that. But this is what we do. This is what we do. We prepare ourselves to celebrate the God who's created us and who is always doing something for us. And we prepare our hearts and minds to meet him at church on Sunday. And when we sing, we might not be sharing everything that he's done with us to everybody in the room. But what we are doing is from our heart and an overflow, we are worshiping God for his greatness and we're lifting our voice and joining other people who are doing the same thing. And that's when God is really, really pleased. So Philip, I, don't, I really can't think of anything that, that God has done for me this week. Okay, well, let me give you something to start with. Start with his grace. Start thinking about God's grace. He didn't kill you this week. He didn't beat you up this week. He loved you. He gave you strength so you could be here this morning, so you could watch this morning. He gave you strength. So fill that cup with his grace. Let me tell you something. Grace alone will fill the cup enough for you to worship. Grace alone will fill that cup enough for you to delight in it and worship him for it. Hmm. Good, isn't it? I think it's crazy that Leviticus starts with celebration. The boringest book I'd ever read up until last year. I mean, it just, in the Bible, I hate to say that, but I have to be honest, didn't like it that much. Man, it starts with celebration. What's better than that? Right? What is better than that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. I pray, Father, that you'll help us fill our cup. We will prepare our hearts to worship you. That our focus would be, man, this is a great day. God has given me one more chance. God's grace is amazing. Your mercy is new every morning, every morning. No matter what comes my way, you are God. You're God. Thank you for being that for me. Thank you for being that for the people in this room. I thank you for wanting to celebrate with us and desiring that and sitting on the edge of your seat waiting for it to happen. So Father, we commit today to be on the edge of our seats so that we can celebrate with you. So give us the strength to do that. We ask all these things, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing.
verse of this song. The altar is open for you, and I'm here for you as well if you need it. All right, let's lift up our voices. We're going to end in celebration today, which is a little bit different than normal. So just let all of that come out. <laughs>